loved your uh, speech today and uh, gave me a lot of insights i want to understand how relevant in this social age in the social media age in the dig digital age uh, in the age where uh, the millennials are all over on the internet and they really don't have a connect to the sanskriti and the sanskrit language how do we take this message to them and you know how do they really understand and value this because the internet and the uh, mobile uh, technology has uh, you know overtaken uh, you know the the you know okay so so yeah we'll have to go through quickly yeah sure so, so i hope you get the message I, I, and yeah, i just I understand. want to understand the relevance I, I understand the i, I think thank I you sir follow. thank you so the i don't see the internet and the mobile as a problem i see it as an opportunity uh, i see that uh, the mobile can also be a way of distributing our knowledge our ideas uh, and so you can distribute education through this internet technology you can have distance learning you can mobilize opinions so i would say that uh, we shouldn't think of modern technology as a anti sanskriti in fact it is a new way of distributing knowledge so i don't think there's a problem at all in the posed by the new technology it's actually an opportunity i love the social media because otherwise the mainstream media would throttle us block us never give us a chance and so it's the social media that gives us an opportunity to get a message out i really appreciate your idea of bringing this purva paksha back i just want to ask like i think we already have a lot of that in our media for example one day if we uh, see that diwali is being celebrated no can you move it away right if we see there's like a news article about diwali being celebrated just side by side we have criticism saying don't burst crackers it's bad for the environment but on the other hand in the western media when it's christmas season the entire country pretends and believes that santa claus really exists so how can we as a community like portray that unity in whatever we believe in would you have any yeah so this is more at a pop popular culture level it's not at an indology academic kind of level which is where my focus is uh, i'm i'm focusing on purva paksha at the level where the interpretation starts so at the academic level the relevant thing would be where they interpret diwali as myth but christianity is stories as history that is where the purva paksha has to be why is it that indian sacred stories are considered myth even by your own town uh, famous devdat patnaik they are considered myth whereas uh, judeo christian islamic stories are considered history so that is once once you settle that then of course how you treat diwali and how you treat christmas uh, will have to be on parity right now it, it uh, one is sort of myth it doesn't have the same same status good evening sir uh, my name is mayank agarwal so the thing is here that uh, we are talking about many things like uh, we are not respecting our thing and we want other certification that okay this was true so first thing is that why do we need other certification if we had some idea we are the 16th population of the world okay so so i understand straight question why do we need others legitimacy if we are 16th of the population say it like that done and i can answer it you don't have to go elaborate i can understand very quickly we don't have to have other people's validation if we don't have inferiority complex right now we have inferiority complex so even if we are 90% of the population the point is 1% can rule they can control i cannot get my message into mainstream media so it has nothing to do with whether we are 1/6 or not the point is mainstream media will not let me speak 
they will criticize me not even take my rebuttal so the institutional bottlenecks the institutions through the channels through which knowledge is communicated through media through education through higher universities those gatekeepers don't have to be numerically very big one chokidar can control close the gate it doesn't matter whether he's one sixth or one millionth the point is one chokidar can control the gate and say you get in and you don't get in that control of knowledge bottlenecks and knowledge flow is in the hands of certain people with certain ideologies it has nothing to do with their numerical strength okay so one more thing i want to point out no you don't point out anything just ask a question yeah so <laughs> ask me a question quickly so if uh, we are like you have given gave a lecture here so isn't it a good idea to make it at a primary level or school level like they are at that is a place where we are seeding we are making the people for the future so if these kind of things are taught there so yes of course it should be introduced into the education system we we all agree with that but it hasn't happened it it just hasn't happened we agree that it would be great if media would be changed if every media would allow both sides of the story and not everybody shouting at each other but uh, you know if they would bring one person and one person and give them an hour and really let them thrash it out i think the people would be better informed than bringing 10 people all shouting at each other and similarly with education system i think if they were to if there is a controversy then they should represent both sides and say this this is one view this is another view but right now it is not this is not the case our until uh, majum the writing the history, he wrote the history of india multi multiple volumes that was after independence the history as we learned and that was very good history from our point of view and then came the age of irfan habib and romila thapar and a few such people and they got rid of that and brought in a whole left wing subaltern studies marxist kind of view of history so a few people not numerically how many people there are a few handful of people took control of the intellectual apparatus and changed the whole thing and we are living with it for 50 years next please this whole debate about whom to give the credit for a certain uh, method or whatever knowledge that come that can be solved only if we have some hardcore evidence but that can only be true if we build a time machine and go back so how are you going to fight for it if you don't have that hardcore evidence so evidence sometimes is there is a delhi iron pillar it has steel you can study its properties you can study what kind of temperature was needed to manufacture that metallurgy and you can you can date it so we have the evidence we have evidence of many many kinds which is there so evidence i i have written we, my foundation published 10 volumes on the history of indian science and technology based on hard evidence no uh, myth or narrative or you know hearsay and so the point is that hard evidence based indian history of science and technology is available to and a lot of it is not popularized and not studied so it is not lack of evidence i'm not talking about pushpak viman i'm not talking about nuclear bombs in the mahabharat for which i haven't seen a radioactive crater and for the pushpak viman i have not seen a wheel or a wing or i have not seen any part of it anywhere so i am a skeptical frankly uh, i'm open minded i'm open to ideas but i don't have clinching evidence i'm talking about things where we have clinching evidence yeah. thank you thanks hello sir srijan from pune my question is this battle of sanskrit is it based on empiricism or interpretation well i don't understand uh, the battle for sanskrit has got lot of pro lot of issues one is uh, dating 
the texts. They date them a certain way. Uh, and we, they, they don't have any empirical evidence, they just date them a certain way. Uh, then their interpretation of uh, Vedas, uh, whether they are socially oppressive or not. So the interpretation, it, it's ultimately it's interpretation. The interpretation can be based on evidence or based on judgment or based on hearsay or whatever. But ultimately it boils down to interpretation no matter how you do the interpretation. So evidence is also a form of interpretation. Next, please. Sir, how do you uh, correlate your current book, uh, which is Battle for Sanskrit, with uh, Breaking India and uh, Indra's Net? Okay, there's, there's, a, there's a relationship. Each can be studied as the first book, and then because I try to make this a standalone book, it doesn't reference, it, you don't need to have studied anything before. I try to make the issues very straightforward, simple, direct. If you read two of them, you'll say, aha, they'll they make bigger sense. But if you take any one by itself, it, will, it is meant to be readable. So this is a battle of a very particular kind, an academic battle of Indology, so that we exert our adhikar, we don't wait for anyone to give it to us. So this, this particular battle is one kind of battle. The uh, Breaking India is a battle on NGOs, foreign funding, it's not academic scholars, it's a different battle, so like that. They're, they're, each one is a different kind of, different part of the Kurukshetra. Sir, uh, isn't it a fact that for centuries, we have excluded sudras and untouchables from learning. And by doing so, we have lost a lot of the insiders from our civilization to defend the Indian culture. So had we included these people centuries ago, we, today we, we would have had several more people to defend this yes. insider view. Yes. So we have had injustice and we need to fix the injustice. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Other people have also had injustice and they have their problems, we have our problems. It's not like everything of ours has to be rejected because of that. So we have problems, we have to deal with them. I, I also point out in this book that the dismissal of the Vedic traditions is exaggerated and overdone and too sweeping. It is, it is over uh, generalized. We've also had many reformation movements from within. Uh, and you should also note that the exclusion of, of uh, certain castes was it was exacerbated during the British time when they did a census for the first time ever and made everybody document their caste and put them in a hierarchy and then give them privileges and so on based on caste. And the Indian government adopted that. So adopting a caste group and giving privileges is a recipe for breaking up India because you have, now I was in Ahmedabad yesterday and they have Patel's rallying for status, caste privilege and Thakur's. So, you know, everybody is, uh, now there's no end to it. It's, it's, uh, it's a certain uh, thing that has gone out of control. You have to turn this into individual level need, whether a particular individual, his economic status and so on, whether he requires, whether he should be getting some special privileges. And those, regardless of caste, those who are below a certain line should ha get help. Those who are above a certain line should not get help. There are also Dalit billionaires, by the way. There's a list of Dalit billionaires. Dalits will themselves tell you. And they're also very poor Brahmins. So I think it should be an individual merit and individual need. Then you can break up the caste system and make it a true meritocracy. As long as you're stuck with identity politics, you're not going to do it. Pranam, Pranam sir. Had not uh, Dr. Ambedkar uh, converted to Buddhism, uh, would things be different from India today? Say it again. Had not Dr. Ambedkar uh, converted to Buddhism, uh, would not things be different today for India? Well, you know, Ambedkar rejected 
conversion to Christianity. Do you know that? He wrote a lot of papers and he rejected conversion to Islam. He gave a lot of uh, reasons for that. So if you want to accept Ambedkar, you should also accept those parts of it. So today they pick one slice of Ambedkar, but not the whole theory. He was a nationalist. He was very patriotic. He wanted to be within the Dharma traditions, but move from Vedas to, uh, to uh, Buddhism. That was his conversion within the Dharma traditions. He did not want to reject the Dharma tradition and become atheist. So he was not a, a, a secularist atheist, nor did he want to convert and join the Abrahamic traditions. So today's uh, sudden adoption of uh, uh, Ambedkar also can be questioned as to just how genuine and sincere it is. So I think it's not Ambedkar, but the way he's been adopted that creates these problems. Namaste, sir. Sir, you talked about Puru Paksh. Ki baat ki thi. तो आपने बोला कि हिंदुइज्म और बुद्धिज्म में जैसे पहले डिबेट किया जाता था, लेकिन हम में से अब कैसे डिसाइड होगा कि किसका पॉइंट ऑफ व्यू सही है या किसका इंटरप्रेटेशन सही है? उनसे बात करने से पहले हमें ये भी तो डिसाइड करना पड़ेगा कि हम में से कौन सही है, हम में से कौन अथॉरिटी होल्ड करता है? You can be one insider, I can be another insider. As he said, Ramji said, there can be many interpretations we can publish. So, point is that the traditional view is, kisi Vaishnav ka view hoga, kisi Shaivite ka hoga, koi Advait hoga, koi Vishisht Advait hoga, koi Dvait hoga, koi Tantric view hoga. All those views are valid and they have to be able to sit and represent. Aajkal point is that when Videsh mein academic journal banta hai or conference hoti hai, usme jo तांत्रिक प्रैक्टिशनर है वो नहीं होता उसके बारे में लिखा जाता है जो एक्चुअल विदांतिन है हुज अ रियल प्रैक्टिशनर हुज इन दैट संप्रदाय फॉर लॉन्ग टाइम वो नहीं होता उसके बारे में उसको इंटरव्यू करके जो जर्नलिस्ट हैं वो विज्ञानी वो स्कॉलर बनके लिखते हैं पेपर सो इट्स ऑलमोस्ट लाइक जर्नलिस्ट रिप्रेजेंटिंग यू इन द नेम ऑफ बीइंग स्कॉलर्स दे कम एंड दे गेट रिपोर्ट्स एंड दे हैव टेप रिकॉर्डर्स एंड ऑल दीस थिंग्स एंड दे हैव ग्रेट डिग्रीज सो दे आर कंसीडर्ड अथॉरिटेटिव लेकिन जो ओरिजिनल अथेंटिक वॉइस है उसको अपनी इक्वल फुटिंग में वॉइस नहीं उसको अधिकार नहीं मिलता सो प्रॉब्लम इज दैट इफ इफ वी हैव मेनी काइंड्स ऑफ पीपल अंडर द अम्ब्रेला ऑफ हिंदुइज्म और अंडर वेदास दे शुड ऑल हैव वॉइस टू रिप्रेजेंट देयर ओन पर्टिकुलर ट्रेडिशन कोई भक्ति के बारे में लिखना चाहते हैं तो भक्ति वाले जो हैं वो दे शुड बी आंसरिंग दैट सो आई एम नॉट सेइंग दैट वी नीड अ सेंट्रलाइज पोप where there is one, one institution saying that we speak for everybody. We could have diversity and we are fine with it. Hello, sir. I just want to, uh, uh, I want to take your opinion regarding the geopolitical as well as sociopolitical issues, concerns in today's world in the context of growing terrorism and separatism issue which is disintegrating our nation. And what would be the probable solution to, ne uh, to negate this nexus? Can you uh, repeat, somebody repeat this for me again? Uh, what, what was the, can somebody explain? I did not understand. I just want, I just want to uh, know the geopolitical and sociopolitical concerns in today's world in the context of growing terrorism and separatism uh, movements, which is disintegrating India, our nation. Okay, so geopolitics uh, and terrorism and you read my book Breaking India. You read my book Breaking India, it's got all this, uh, all of this going on. So uh, Breaking India, how the international forces 
are playing with the Indian forces and how this is both together breaking India. So that's, that's the relationship of breaking Hello. India and so on. Uh, my question is, many people are converting from Hinduism, so removing the caste system and everyone is equal in Hinduism could be one solution. What are your views about it? And what are your views about Akhand Bharat, means where Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bhutan, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Malaysia, Tibet would be part of one India, uh, Bangladesh. And uh, what are uh, your views, how uh, Indologic as a study can be uh, developed through government efforts and how no, interest could be developed in children? See, so many questions you've asked. I don't even know what you asked. So anyway, uh, first one was what? Uh, before the Akhand Bharat, the, uh, how caste, uh, caste, caste system okay. should be removed in so India? So I'll answer the first two, I mean I, one or two questions, okay. So I already said, I think that if they removed caste and made affirmative action quotas on individual merit, so if you, if you fill out a, like the Aadhaar card and all that, they could also put a score of a person's needs. Uh, poverty needs, economic needs, whatever kind of needs, on a certain point system, they could get how much is the need of this person on a certain scale. So those people who have more needs should get more preferences. And this way, within one or two generations, we could wipe out because it would be those who are underprivileged will get more benefits. Yeah, it has nothing to do with parents. It has nothing to do with community and caste. It has to do with you as an individual. Because you may come from poor parents and make it rich. You may come from rich parents and be poor. It doesn't matter. It, it's your personal situation that you count. And then we'll get rid of the caste system if we were to do that. Secondly, uh, the Akhand Bharat, I'm against that Akhand Bharat idea because I think it's like eating a, eating a cancer. You'll be swallowing up a bunch of very difficult places, very radical places. Let me just finish. Uh, we should first unify ourselves. If we can't even unify ourselves, we don't. We have too many problems. We aren't even of single mind. We don't have a single grand narrative. We don't have single textbooks that we agree on. We have too many forces fighting. Bringing more problems does not solve the problem. You must first. You must before you expand. You must have strength. So if you have a unified country with high, with better economic, uh, you know, status. And, and less fragmentation and internal social strife, political strife. Once you've created a unified Bharat, you can talk about Akhand Bharat. Then we can talk about expansion. So my question okay. is that... Okay. okay, they've told me two more questions because there's a Sanskrit play afterwards. So this person and one more. Okay. So my question to you is that if Sanskrit is practiced on a personalized level in a student's life, what role will it play and how will it uh, help the student to come back on their right path from the wrong path they are walking on the disarray, which will lead them to nothing but only frustration? So, it's a very important point. Uh, you know, in the US they're doing some studies on people who chant, people who've done meditation from a childhood uh, and seen the effects on their scores, their grades, their mental health and so on and so forth. So, sans Sanskrit taught with the proper sanskars from childhood, we ought to investigate that. We ought to do the research to find out exactly what are the benefits for a child. But some studies have been done which show that there are these kind of benefits. The other thing is that uh, Sanskrit can also teach you a lot of, a lot of the Sanskrit texts have good morals, good ethics, good values, which we are losing. Uh, the family system, the joint family system, respect for nature, respect for animals, the West is learning things like how do you respect aging by looking at Indian texts, how do you respect aged people. 
because the geriatrics are living very long, but they, have, don't, they feel alienated, nobody respects them. The West is learning things like animal rights, vegetarianism, you know, uh, rights, the right of a forest, the right of a river. These kind of things are being taught. And we have such uh, resources in our tradition. We ought to, using Sanskrit and Sanskriti, we ought to understand these better ourselves. Sir, uh, my question is, uh, actually if we see, तो हमारे जो समाज में देखा जाए तो जितने भी संस्कार होते हैं शुरू से बचपन से लेके हमेशा संस्कृत में पढ़ाए जाते हैं संस्कृत में हमारे संस्कार होते हैं हमारे जितने भी बड़े बड़े संस्थाएं हैं भारत के अंदर सभी के जो मुख्य वाक्य हैं वो संस्कृत में लिखे गए हैं लेकिन फिर भी एक संस्कृत से एक दूरी हो गई है लोगों की जब भी हम बात करते हैं अगर हम किसी से बात करते हैं संस्कृत की तो वो एक कम्युनिज्म से कैसे देखा जाता है आज के जमाने में मेरा प्रश्न आपसे ये है कि लोगों को अगर जो एकदम दूर जा चुके हैं अगर उनको वापस इस कल्चर में अपन कितने डिस्कशन होना चाहिए बट लोग डिस्कस भी नहीं करना चाहते हैं उनको अगर डिस्कशन में इन्वॉल्व करना चाहिए तो आपकी तरफ से क्या सजेशन है कि उनको डिस्कशन में इन्वॉल्व हम कर सकते हैं सी आई एम हैविंग मेनी डिस्कशन विद मेनी अपोनेट यू सी माई विडियोज आई हैव डिस्कशन विद क्रिस्चन स्कॉलर्स विद ऑल काइंड ऑफ पीपल but i want it in a civilized way i mean one thing i cannot tolerate is nonsense where a person is trying to make more drama but they really have very little substance us tarah ke shor vor machane ke liye i find uh, india has more of that india the indian the indian it is more like gundaism and mafia type rather than intellectual honest debate and discussion because i'm also prepared to be wrong i'm prepared to say okay i'm wrong i'm learning from you and so indian indian uh, thinking I feel that the thinking has to improve rather than following a bhed chal, following a bandwagon. कि मैं इस जलूस के पीछे लगा हुआ हूँ और मैं खूब shout out करूँगा. This kind of a low IQ, low caliber kind of just shouting, screaming is become a Indian alternative to good intellectual discourse. This is the land of intellectual discourse, argumentation, debate. We ought to have young people who come and make very challenging logical arguments. but they should have the demeanor the style of a debater and i feel that that is not there i'm I, i that is my experience so i think andar se kuch character ki bhi baat hai it has to have to do with swabhav and your maybe uh, my own i mean you may not like this but my own experience has been people who meditate people who do yoga and meditate are calmer people generally little smarter people they have a stillness of the mind they can understand better their comprehension is better they articulate more clearly and it is a, it's a lot of fun to debate with them and argue with them and but i, I so maybe this uh, rise of meditation coming back to india will change the indian mind and make it a clearer mind that may happen so uh, so last i would question. last uh, question this is the last question and this is a very relevant question that's what i think what are your recommendation for the policy makers recommendation and suggestions for the policy maker for making india jagatguru in indic studies so my books are being read by policy makers uh, my books i keep getting invited uh, but i am not sure how much the implementation is and i'm not part of any institutional mechanism that implements i have no authority I, I don't want to join any institution because it has its own internal politics, and I'll get stuck in that. I want to be a free thinker. So I constantly, both in public and in private gatherings, I meet such people and discuss debate, and then I don't play any role. That is how it is. And uh, I am disappointed at the rate and spe speed with which uh, changes are being implemented by our institutions. Uh, we have a lot of things that need to be done. We don't have enough time. 
And so I'm a little concerned that are we fast enough or not? That is my concern. My priorities for change. My priorities for change are that certain, first I would like an, a university, world-class university on Indology in India and world-class journal, world-class conference. And from there, the scholarship by the insiders, by the traditional people has to be redone and that will generate new history, that will generate new philosophy, new social theories. We want to talk about feminism, we write new smritis. We have a tradition of writing smritis which means something you keep rewriting for every era. Manu Smriti was written for one era, we write new smritis for 21st century. So we write new smritis, new, new kinds of siddhant which means theories, new kind of siddhant. So we have to develop new R&D using the framework of our culture to, to generate more 21st century ideas and knowledge. And from this kind of a place, this was the role of our mathas at one time. This was the, the temple was a center of learning, not just a ritual. It was a center of learning, center of karma yoga. You see, so it became a place where you just go give some money and tell God, you know, solve this problem. That is it kind of ritual. But it used to be a center of serious learning. So if we can revive the learning, the R&D mechanisms of our, of our civilization in certain new kind of institutions that can be set up, then from there I think we can, it will spread into the rest of society. Thank you very much.